What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their So, if y'all welcome on into the Go Vols 24 7 podcast, West Rucker coming to you from the Visitors Athletic Directors Box here at Neyland Stadium, where the contingent from UTSA just watched its Roadrunners lose 45 to 14 to the Tennessee Volunteers, the 20th slash 23rd ranked Vols. Uh, had a great start to this game, had a pretty good finish to this game. Not so much there in the middle, but. A lot more, I think, went right than went poorly for Tennessee today. And, and I'll, I'll lead right into this, guys. Well, first off, I should ask you, how you doing? How y'all doing tonight? Ryan, Ben, how you doing? We're doing great. Uh, everybody's happier this week than they were last week, so, you know. Eh, happier than last week, for sure. I yeah, mean, relatively speaking. There's people that maybe still aren't very happy. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But my quick thought on this game, like just taking a quick scan of it, I don't think Tennessee had to be better to win this game. It didn't have to take a big step forward. And I don't know that it took a step forward, but it did take a step forward. I think Tennessee did a lot more properly than it did last week. And I don't think Tennessee had to be great to win this game. I don't think Tennessee needed to, uh, for the sake of the big picture for this team, I don't know if it really needed uh, to be better this week because, you know, things get thick and fast starting next week. But – Tennessee did take a step forward. I think that's a good thing for that locker room. I think it's a really good thing for the fan base because that thing had started to turn a little bit already. So the Vols, great start, great start, solid finish, got the win. They did, and they and and they did some things better, I think. I mean, not perfect by any means, as I'm sure we'll get into here in just a few minutes. But uh, overall, like you said, that, 30,000-foot view, it's a win. They took care of business. It wasn't in doubt. You know, even when even when they had some moments of weakness there in the second half, that, you know, UTSA never got within striking distance, really. So they were able to, to, to put away an opponent that they should have put away. Uh, should have put away. UTSA, frankly, was not as good as I thought they might be. Um, they were really dinged up heading into this game, yeah, I think you could see. They, they got them at a good time, and, and it's, it's not a – it's not a team that was likely to come in here and pull the upset in its current state, but it's still a, a game where Tennessee needed to show some maturity, show some uh, some uh, resilience, and, and be able to to bounce back from a from a game like that. That let's face it, you know, was a was a fairly demoralizing performance. Colossal thunder turd, I think, is the scientific <laughs> phrase you're looking for. It, it was it was a it was a pretty demoralizing game. Potentially could have been for for a less mature team, and they were able to bounce back, kind of put it behind them, I thought, and uh, and and do some good enough things to 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 make it look like they they've got that in the rearview mirror. And uh, and that's you know overall, I think they've got to feel better about themselves moving forward, and and feel like that's at least behind them. Now the issues or some of the underlying issues might not be totally behind them, but. Overall, this this wasn't a game that you know that I thought there was a potential maybe going into this game, and I, as I kind of predicted them to only win by 17, for this game to be kind of a little bit in danger in, in the second, you know, going into halftime uh, or going into the second half, at least a little bit up in the air maybe where fans wouldn't feel great coming out of this game. Instead, they're up 31 nothing by halftime. They take care of business and, and never really have any any trouble. So I, I think overall, it's got it's got to have everyone feeling a little bit better. Certainly throughout the building, uh, everyone in the in the program, and and gives them a little more confidence, which I think they did need in this case going into a really important game, obviously next week against South Carolina. 
Yeah, I think I picked 45-21 as the final. Could have hit it right on the head possibly if uh, UTSA had had one more score there. I don't think Tennessee fans will be unhappy that the Roadrunners didn't get another score there, but uh, it it took on a little bit of water there early in the third quarter. There's no question about it. Really throughout the entire third quarter, I think Tennessee was a bit of a hot mess uh, on both sides of the ball. But they judge games over 60 minutes, right? And when you look over the course of 60 minutes, Tennessee was never really in any sort of danger of losing this game. I, I thought the uh, going into it, we could set this up quickly with the lineup. There were, I think, four inactives listed for the game. Uh, one of them was not Cooper Mays. Cooper Mays was not listed as inactive, but he did not play. That's certainly going to be something that we're going to follow again throughout the next week. I don't know that there's too much more we can add about that at this point, other than Josh Heupel's own words were that Cooper Mays went through warm-ups for a second consecutive week and decided he was not going to be able to go. And I think those words were chosen on purpose. I think you might be right. I think you might be right, Ben. I think he may have said that on purpose uh, just to, you know, say, hey, like the he went through warm-ups and he decided he wasn't able to go, which, hey, none of us are Cooper Mays. We don't know what he's going through. We don't know what his injury status is. We don't know. I mean, it hurts like hell to play football. And if a guy feels like he can't give it a go, then he can't give it a go, maybe. Maybe that's just how it is. And I think Tennessee overall up front for 60 minutes did more – good stuff than bad stuff up front, but some of the bad stuff up front was very, very costly. Like Joe Milton the third, Tennessee is very, very fortunate that Joe Milton the third is able to keep playing football right now because he took a nasty, nasty shot. There was a missed block late in the first half on a third and goal play. He got hit kind of by two guys at the same time, uh, two guys who had just been beaten one-on, who'd beaten their, their linemen one-on-one and got in there and hit him pretty quick. A really nasty-looking shot to his knee, went down. Uh, you could kind of hear everybody groan a little bit. Kind of, I, I immediately thought he had wrecked something bad. It was one of those moments where you're sitting there and you go, that's not good. That's really, really not good. You saw the way his leg was when he got hit. But it, we've seen this a couple times, right? I mean, Joe Milton got hurt a couple years ago, but he's, knock on wood, taken some pretty nasty shots this season and been able to bounce right back up. He's a, he's a pretty strong guy, pretty stout guy, and I think that helped him there. Um, but sometimes it doesn't matter how strong a stout you are. You put weight on the ground and you get hit when your leg's a certain way, and that's how things go really, really wrong. But other than that, I think for three quarters, I think the offensive line was okay. I still think it's a huge concern. I think it's going to be a huge concern until proven otherwise. And I'll be honest, I don't think it's going to be very good at any point this season. I think it's going to, at this point, you can hope to get better. You can hope to, that guys progress and guys learn some lessons. But some of this stuff is just – Ben, it's just guys getting beat. It, it is. But I, I'm going to start with the positives on this football game. And, and that's that I thought that Tennessee really looked in rhythm and, and in sync for the first half. Uh, and the third quarter was what it was. But but I think that maybe we should hold off on, on that conversation uh, and, and maybe try to figure out why the third quarter was what it was. Because it was certainly not pretty and – and I do agree with what you said, Wes. Therefore, the, the game was never in doubt. Tennessee was always going to win this game. But there for a minute in the third quarter, uh, UTSA got the ball back. And, and you're thinking, if if they scored on this drive, it's just a 10-point game. And then the defense got a three and out, if I remember correctly. And Tennessee scored some more points. And, and that was that. But in the first half, I know it's UTSA. It's a home game. So they looked the way they were supposed to look. But I also don't know that it should just be taken 
just as as something that's just automatic, right? Just based off of how the the first three weeks had had kind of gone, and, and more so Austin P and, and Florida, obviously. But I thought Tennessee was really in rhythm. I, I thought they came out with with their with their hair on fire and, and was playing with a ton of energy. Josh Heupel talked about that after the game. Uh, offensively, uh, Joe Milton starts the game as as best you can uh, with, with that long eighty one yard run. We we'd heard throughout fall camp that he had lost weight from himself. He said this, that he lost weight. He, he wanted to add some burst, and, and you saw it on that run. And, and that, that, to me, told me tonight, and this is a separate conversation maybe for one of the podcasts during the week, Tennessee needs to utilize his legs more um, because it, it's clear, and I know it was UTSA's defense, but he can make plays with his legs. He may not be Hendon, but he can help. He can add to the offense with his legs. There's no doubt about that. Any FBS secondary player – can run like if and he pulled away from him. Yeah, like he if you're an FBS and and that team's won some games lately. They, they recruit from the state of Texas pretty heavily. They they may be an inch or two shorter and maybe ten pounds lighter, but they're still running roughly the same forty times as a lot of other guys. They can run. Yes, absolutely. But I I thought that was a great way to start the game. Obviously, I, I'm I'm assuming that it was a read option. Uh, maybe it was a designed run, but. Uh, if it was a read option, Joe did a great job recognizing that that the end had crashed and, and UTSA had lost contain and, and taking advantage of it. Uh, but you know the passing game was, was on point for the most part in that first half. Joe was 14 of 21 for two touchdowns uh, and 156 passing yards. I, I don't recall a turnover worthy throw that that he made. Uh, he was he in the passing game was really good and, and I think the receivers deserve a ton of credit as well. They they looked more fluid and what they were doing. You you got the running game going. Dylan Sampson has a big night and, and he just looks electric with the football. Uh, and the state of that running back room kind of looks interesting going into next week. Uh, I don't know if they were just trying to limit the wear and tear on Jabari Small before South Carolina. You don't really need a veteran who has shoulder injuries in his history playing in this type of game when you have a Jalen Wright and you have a Dylan Sampson and especially with Dylan Sampson not touching the ball at Florida and that became a storyline obviously uh, but then Jalen Wright gets banged up looked a little woozy there coming off the field after a couple of hits to the head um, but they were running the football I, I thought the passing game looked good in the first half uh, and then defensively Wes I, I thought they played really really well uh, and, you know, they had to block punt. And the, the worst that you can really say about the first half is that the, the special teams had a snap, like had a bad play or two. Uh, freshman making a mistake that he should not have made, but they still blocked a punt. And I thought offensively and defensively, I thought they played really well in that first half. I did. The only throw, turnover-worthy throw, that I think Milton had there was the very first one he had in that third quarter where uh, the, the nickel, I believe, for UTSA – had seen that uh, he'd seen that quick swing pass out to the perimeter a few too many times. You showed him that a few too many times, and uh, it's like when you throw that uh, that curveball a couple too many times to the same batter. He was all over it, and if Milton hadn't been able to throw it that hard as he as he throws it, um, maybe that ball is a pick six, and all of a sudden things are, are pretty interesting. So, uh, but yeah, I think overall he was he was fine. I think he uh, got a little bit rattled for a minute after that hit, but I'll say this. We have seen so many times with Joe Milton, not so many times, he hasn't played that many games in Tennessee. We have seen more than once where when things start to go sideways for Joe Milton, when he gets inaccurate, he doesn't always snap out of that. And he snapped out of it in this game. It's UTSA, whatever, I get it. But there for a while there, he had completed like one of 10 passes after starting, I think, 14 of 16, something like that. And then he hit a couple more passes, and that, that ball he threw to Dante Thornton in the second half 
I mean, it was right over the first level of the defense, right below, you know, right in front of the second. Just an absolutely perfectly placed throw, and he got he got going again and got to feeling pretty good. And, and I think they got him out of the game at the right time. So I, I think I liked a lot more than I didn't like from Milton in this game. And I think it was a it was a big one for him confidence wise. It, it was, and I, I I think you kind of touched on it there. They they got him out of the game at a good time, and I I wonder if that was kind of by design. I think they maybe wanted him to play through that rough stretch. Uh, I know a lot of Tennessee fans were sort of clamoring throughout the second half, especially once things did start to get a little shaky. Hey, put in Nico. It's time to see Nico. You're you're still not going to lose this game. Let's let's see him. Let him play. And there was some frustration with that, at least on social media and on the on the checkerboard on GoVols twenty four seven. But I, I think they they might have felt it was important for Joe Milton to play through that a little bit and, and not not to end on a sour note on what otherwise was a pretty good day for him. So I, I think yeah, overall you have to be pretty pleased with what with what Joe Milton did. I, I mean. I don't, you know, I guess you don't have to. I'm sure there's some people out there that are going to pick some apart. Some will not be. Yeah, that, that they're going to pick apart the, the the throws he didn't make and the things that weren't perfect. But I, I thought this was a, a step in the right direction at least, and uh, the the kind of performance that, especially in the first half, if he can build on that and look more like that more consistently starting next week against South Carolina, he can be the quarterback this team needs. And I think in a lot of ways he showed today that he is the quarterback this team needs. They just need him to do what he's best at and what he shows he's capable of doing all the time. They need that more consistently. They need to not have those lulls like he had in the third quarter, and they need him to continue to not make mistakes, which, again, at least he bounced back from that and, and like you said, didn't really have, you know, aside from the one weird play, didn't really have a turnover-worthy throw, had a, had a pretty solid day and continues to take care of the ball and is still making some big plays here and there. Yeah, I think, and I think this is important to mention, too, um, because you talk about some of the the criticism that, that that Joe Milton gets, there's also some of the criticism that the offensive line gets. Hell, I just delivered some criticism to the offensive line. I think there are some 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 bright red flags there in, in some ways. However, uh, that team just ran for 303 yards. So again, that's a defense, UTSA defense, that rotates a bunch of guys up front. There's some solid players on that defensive line. It did not have a great week against Army the past three years or whatever. It's just not played well against Army, but it held Houston to 14 points. It had looked pretty good defensively in its other couple of games. So they really like their defense, and and Tennessee ran all over that defense, which, again, you would expect an SEC team to do, but, you know, Tennessee was able to really, really establish the run when Tennessee needed to run the ball. I think the first half it was like 9, 10 yards a carry. I mean, you, you can't ask for more than that. And you would say, well, why are they not running it more? I think they were trying to get the passing game going. They were trying to get some confidence there. And they did, despite Brew McCoy missing what seemed to be most of the game. Uh, you know, Caleb Webb stepped in, has a nice touchdown catch. Uh, I thought there were some throws that Milton made that his guys could have helped him out a little bit more on. There was one play that over the middle that I think in the second half that Squirrel White didn't really look the – I think he, if, he'd, if he'd turned around a little bit faster, he could have adjusted and maybe had a chance to make that play. You could see from where we were in the press box, he just wasn't paying attention. And Milton should have made a better throw, but there was no chance for Squirrel's latest he turned around to make any kind of play on that football. So I think overall, though, it started up front. And as frustrating as it was at times, especially in the third quarter – I think the offensive line, especially without Cooper Mays out there, John Campbell missed a lot of the game with an injury. They were playing seven or eight guys. I, I, I think judging overall, 
mm, still a lot of concerns, but some good stuff too. Yeah, th- there's certainly a lot of concerns moving forward. I, I thought the, the the throw to Squirrel White, if anybody's on at fault on that particular play, it was Andre Carrick because he just absolutely whiffed at the line of scrimmage and, and lost his one-on-one matchup. And, and Joe had to rush the throw, and, and it looked like Squirrel was was running a deep post or, or a deep crosser. And like when when you don't have protection, like that route does not stand a chance to to develop. So Squirrel isn't always catching the ball when Joe threw that football. So I, I thought the protection let Joe and, and Squirrel down on that particular play, and Joe was just trying to hurry up and, and get the ball out before he got sacked uh, on that particular play. And, and then, like, you had the one to Chaz Nimrod uh, where it was just out of his reach. And, and talking to former Tennessee receiver Jason Swain, he thought – I mean, he just, literally just texted me. I'm, I'm sure he's going back and rewatching the game right now. Uh, we, we always kind of text about what he sees from receivers on routes because there are things that receivers mm-hmm. do within their routes that, that they can do incorrectly that impact what it looks like may be an overthrow or a throw behind a receiver or this and that. They can mess up in their route to make the receiver or to make the quarterback look bad when in reality it wasn't a bad throw. It was the receiver not doing something correctly in his route that didn't allow him to get to where he needed to be when he needed to be there. And Swain just texted me and said that that deep ball to Nimrod was all on Nimrod because he turned around too early and was looking for the ball instead of just running down the field. And when you turn around and look for the ball, you slow down. And what happened on the the play? It was just out of his fingertips. So if he's not turned around looking for the ball sooner than he was supposed to, then that's a touchdown to, to Nimrod there in, in the end zone. So, And I'm not at all excusing Joe in that third quarter. There there were certainly throws that, that he missed. He, he, was, he was out of rhythm for whatever reason. Uh, he said after the game that that awkward hit that he took didn't have anything to do with it, uh, although it did freak him out. Uh, I, I just think maybe at times he, he's a little rattled because he doesn't know what he's going to get up front from his offensive line. I, I think that is by far the biggest issue on this team, the biggest issue on, on this offense right now, and uh, too many people are wanting to look at the quarterback for that. And again, Joe is not playing perfect football. There's plenty he can get better at, but the offensive line is the one that needs to take the biggest step forward. And, and, and maybe there's some hope with, with Gerald Mincy getting back in at right tackle tonight. Uh, if he can stop being a knucklehead, uh, the, the ceiling of this offensive line raises. Uh, and then, you know, Cooper Mays, if, if he can get back whenever he decides to come back and play football, like that, that is something that absolutely helps with the communication up front. Uh, and and he, we have seen him play good football in the SEC. So if you can get those two guys going, along with John Campbell, along with Javante Spragans, uh, I think Ali Lane should be at left guard when Cooper comes back. That's my personal opinion. And after I, what we saw today, for sure. I, I'm not, I'm not sold on Andre Kirk. I mean, I it, he he just misses one. He just misses a lot. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I, I just think Ali Lane is is better at left guard uh, than Andre Kirk is. So maybe you can get those two guys going, and the offensive line takes a step forward. But point blank period, that group has to get better, or, or this is a seven one football team at best, probably. Yeah, because, Ryan, I think one of the things that I don't know that is mentioned a lot with Milton, um, and and one thing I don't think he excels at, is I don't love his off-platform throwing. I think when Milton, you know, some guys can just kind of get the ball out from any angle. Most, you know, I would say two-thirds or more of NFL starting quarterbacks can throw the ball from different platforms, and that's just kind of a staple of the position now. When when Milton's kind of, when he gets flushes out of the pocket, when he's kind of got to roll left or roll right, I don't 
love his accuracy when he's able when he's off platform. When he's on platform and he's in rhythm, I think he can throw darts with anybody in the game. But I think that when he gets off balance a little bit, things can can go haywire. And I think with this offensive line, there are times where it's going to go a little haywire. So that's something that I think Milton's going to have to either work on or they're going to have to protect him better against better teams probably. Yeah, I I think that's fair. And and he – you know, again, it, it was not a perfect performance from him. It, it wasn't. I think too much is going to be made of it as it was last week um, uh, about the, the plays that he didn't make, about the third quarter, you know, lull and, uh, on both sides of the ball. I'm sure the defense drew as much angst as the offense did during that stretch. But Should have with those missed tackles. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's, you know, again, Tennessee wasn't playing a great team today, at least not in its, in its current state. So I, I – I still have some concerns about Tennessee's defense coming out of this game. Uh, even though they only gave up 14 points today, it, it was not a such a resounding performance that, that I think they've addressed whatever concerns they had last last week. I mean, they gave up 319 yards today. Not not bad, but by by no means a you know a shutdown defense. So, um, but yeah, I, I think too much will be made of the the mistakes Milton did make and and the the things that didn't go perfectly. I think the biggest storylines coming out of this game, and we'll see what what comes of them. You know, I don't know anything yet about the extent of any of these injuries, but you know, the biggest thing to come out of this game might be John Campbell wasn't in there at left tackle at all times. You know, they gave Gerald Mincy a look there. Um, you know, was he banged up? Was that just a performance thing? Was that he just was trying? He was walking around without his helmet. I don't know what that means, yeah. but he was walking on the sideline without his helmet. So, so, so that's potentially a big deal. You know, Brew McCoy didn't play a lot. You know, didn't see him most of the game, and then also. Um, Jalen Wright, you know, what's his status coming out of this game? I feel like one or two of those could end up being a, a pretty big storyline next and week. And, and Ramel Keaton, yeah, if, if any of those guys are banged up or, or or if they have any concerns about John Campbell performance-wise going forward, that those are those are really potentially big big deals for this team. Um, and I, I feel like I, I want to go ahead and just tackle this one right. I think the thing we're going to discuss probably way too much this week is Dylan Sampson. I think a lot of people are going to jump on the Dylan Sampson bandwagon. Would you like to take every single second uh, segment discussion point that I had and distill them all into your answer here? I mean, just go ahead. Just go ahead. Take them all. You didn't tell me that that's what we were discussing in the second half, so I I didn't know what's what's off limits and what's not. But I just – I I think that – I've already heard it from some people. It just seems like that's something that's – that that people are going to think they've been playing the wrong running back, and I just think that's – way overreacting to a good performance against a not very good team but um but we can get into that more in a minute but i i think the yeah to, to that point i originally made though i you know brew mccoy jalen wright john campbell let's see what the situation is with those guys even ramel keaton um they, they've got a this is a team that can't afford to to be banged up in, in some of those spots especially so um and man it it, it was really interesting to see in live uh, in, in real time kind of the live reaction to joe milton going down because that was around the time people wanted Nico to come in the game. And I think some fans were torn at that moment between wanting Nico to come in and saying, oh, crap, we really don't need Joe to get hurt here. <laughs> and I think some Tennessee fans almost didn't know how to feel. Not that they would ever want Joe Milton to get hurt so that they could get Nico in the game, but that I think there were some people that wanted to see him in at that point, and that was their main focus. And then they're like, wait a minute, I still – think we need Joe so I don't know it's a weird it was a weird reaction to see kind of online and uh, and in the stands at that point and uh, it sort of just underscores what I think is going to be a, just sort of one of those strange dynamics where the backup quarterback is going to be as we saw from the crowd reaction today really popular until Tennessee fans have some reason to embrace Joe, Joe Milton a little bit more as definitely the guy this team needs at quarterback well then it's just gas then it's the gas the more 
discussion at that point, right? Then it's Gaston Moore, most underrated walk-on in America. Give him a chance. All he does is throw darts late in games. You know, there's a lot to discuss there, and there's a lot to parse over with what you just said. And I kid, Ryan, um, but I do think those are important things to discuss there that you just mentioned, but we're a little bit little bit overdue for a break. So let's go ahead and split this up now and pick back up where we are at this moment. But before we do that, let's pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, et cetera, and then be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker, Ben McKee, and Ryan Callahan coming to you from the Neyland Stadium Visitors Athletic Director press box. Uh, we, uh, we always wonder where we're gonna, which box we're going to be in. Uh, when we uh, when, when we do these plus game podcasts, because it just kind of whichever one's available, and this was the one available this week, so this is the one that we took. Tennessee took care of business in this game, forty five to fourteen over Texas San Antonio UTSA, the Road Runners, uh, who who did get one point six million dollars for their services today. So thank you for your service, UTSA. Here's a nice $1.6 million check and uh, go on about your business next week. Lots more to discuss on this episode, but before we do that, uh, just a quick request from our end. Please take just a little bit out of your time right now. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, govols247.com. Nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go rate, review, and subscribe, whether you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this podcast, which we do for free, and we're happy to do it for free. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people who aren't your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell your enemies. Maybe you can make an enemy a friend by telling them about this great podcast. I heard another one today, guys, where uh, a Tennessee fan who lives in Missouri was uh, taking his stuff to the uh, from the grocery store, got his, got his game day stuff checked out, was going out to the car, saw somebody wearing a Tennessee shirt, told him about this podcast. I'm telling you, we get new listeners every single week just from people spreading word of mouth. So please continue doing that. If you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Straight back into it, guys. Let's let's pick up where Ryan left off there at the end of the first segment with the Dylan Sampson talk, because I think there is a slightly nuanced way to have this conversation. I think people will make too much of what Dylan Sampson did in this game. I think people will make too much of what Dylan Sampson did in the first game of the season. I also think it is fair to say why was he not given the ball a single time in Gainesville just to be sure. Maybe he would make these plays against Florida. Maybe he will make them against South Carolina next week. And again, I understand that the way that game went, the flow of that game, the way that Florida kind of scored and then got the turnover and scored again, and then at that point you're just trying to keep your feet about you. You've only had a half do- you only had like what a dozen plays from scrimmage in the first half, whatever it was, a small number. And then at that point, you know, you got to get the ball to Jabari Small. You know he's not going to fumble the ball in the swamp. You know he's not going to make things even worse at that point. So I understand why, but at the same time, I kind of don't because I think he needs to get the ball a little bit more. Yeah, I don't think Ryan is wrong at all in, in his in his thoughts. Uh, him scoring four touchdowns, uh, 
against Virginia to start the season was a result of Jalen Wright getting tired after carrying the team down the field, Jabari Small getting tired carrying the the team down the field. And, and that's not to minimize what Dylan Sampson did on the plays that he scored. Those were great plays in which he scored upon. Um, but it, it's not like he was doing the heavy lifting. Uh, and tonight, uh, Austin P, Florida, like I, I, Dylan Sampson said it after the game. Like I understand why he did not get in the game against Florida. I guess I, I understand. But after watching tonight, like I, I also feel like you got to get him in the game. He's too quick. He's too fast. He's too shifty. He turns on the Jets too easily. He's too talented of an offensive playmaker to let sit on the sideline. So, like I understand. What happened at Florida? They didn't run a whole lot of snaps, especially in the first half. Uh, and and Jalen Wright is still the best running back on this roster. Yes. Don't 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 get that period twisted. Yes. Um, but Dylan Sampson still deserves the play. Uh, Dylan Sampson should not be stealing carries from Jalen Wright. If he's stealing carries from somebody, it probably should be from Jabari Small. And I I really do hate to say that because I am a Jabari Small fan. I think he is underrated. I think he's a good back, but what Jabari Small doesn't have, Dylan Sampson and Jalen Wright do, and that's what you need to have in, in college football in 2023, and that's quickness and the ability to make guys miss in the open field. And, and I know that UTSA is what UTSA is, but that's what Dylan Sampson did well tonight. Uh, and, and we saw it on uh, a, a larger scale in terms of reps he was receiving it wasn't as much of a small sample size like we saw against Virginia this was a bigger sample size uh, in my opinion and every opportunity he gets he just continues to make guys miss uh, for Tennessee's sake hopefully that translates to SEC play but he, he I mean he, he needs to be a double digit touches a game and, and that may be hard to do with throwing the football and, and Jalen Wright getting the bulk of the carries but he's not somebody that in an SEC football game especially on an offense that is sputtering and trying to find its rhythm he's too good offensively to not to not have an impact or, or some form of package or, or receive an x amount of reps yeah here's what I'll say quickly on that and I and I would love to be wrong about this I would really like to be wrong about this because I really like Jabari Small and I have a lot of respect for Jabari Small, and I think everyone in the Tennessee program has a tremendous amount of respect for Jabari Small, a guy who shows up to work every single day, will play through any injury imaginable, and he will get you – he will almost always get the yards that are there to be gotten. What he will not do is sometimes – more often than not, he's not going to get the extra stuff. He'll get you what's there, and he'll even make some guys miss. He's got some quick feet about him. He, he will make – plays to get you those 7 to 15 yard runs a lot of times that you need. He's got some of that wiggle to him. He's got some of that stutter step stuff to him. He just doesn't have the jets. And I think if you're Tennessee playing this style of offense in space and you want to be at a top 5 top 10 level as an offense, I don't know that he's a guy who can get the ball double digit times a game. That that's what I would like to be wrong about, but I, I don't know if I am. I, I just think the way they play in this system, I, I don't know that it's a tremendous fit for, for what he brings. Because I think there was that play last week uh, at Florida. Again, it was a really questionable, I, I would say, bad call on, McCall on McCallan Castles on that um, 
that they had that uh, blindside block on that backside pass. That was a beautifully designed play. And I think Jabari Small got, what, 20, 25 yards out of it? I think Dylan Sampson scores on that play. I, I don't think he I don't I don't think he's able to get by that one guy and go down the sideline. That's why I was like, I love that play call. I don't love it not going to Dylan Sampson because I think that's where you kind of have a gotta have a feel for your guys and, and who does what best. And I, I would like to see him get the ball more, and I suspect that he will, but I don't to Ben's point, I don't think it needs to come at the expense of Jalen Wright, who I don't care what his numbers were in this game. He's the best running back on this team. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's that's where I would put it. I, I think Jalen Wright's still the best running back on this team. And, and I think most Tennessee fans would probably agree with that. Uh, I, I just, I've, I've already seen a lot of people saying, you know, uh, first of all, making the Alvin Kamara comparison in some cases because Ooh. because he wears number six Ooh, and he's, and he's shifty. Still. I get that. <laughs> But Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara was pretty darn good. And they still, got a guy who wears sixteen too. I don't know if that's Peyton Manning. Right. So so yeah, I I think Dylan Sampson is a good player, a smart player, can definitely help this team. I think he's going to be a very good player in the long run. But uh, but to say that you know that he's so good that he should be you know getting fifteen carries a game or anything like that going forward, I, I that might be overstating it a bit. I, I do agree. I would have liked to have seen him play in the Florida game in some form or fashion to see see what he can do against SEC competition. I think that it, it does go back to this staff and, and a lot of staffs for that matter. You know, obviously people remember the longtime fans will remember the whole Mark Levine debacle in nineteen ninety seven oh, playing him over Jamal Lewis. Um, because it, yeah, I think you always coaching staffs tend to gr- gravitate toward, especially in important games, to the guys they know they can trust in pass protection. I, I'm sure that was part of the the thought process if it, and and some of it might have just been not having the reps to go around but I, I think in in a tight spot they're going to probably go with the veterans you know Jalen Wright and Jabari Small played a lot of football and I think they trust those guys you know as, as much as anyone in pass protection so that might have had something to do with it but regardless yeah I think Dylan Sampson shown he deserves to play uh, on a pretty regular basis I, I would like to see the snaps divided you know fairly evenly between those three and and see what he can do with a a greater role and and maybe this will be the beginning of that for him but you know credit to him for finding a way to make some plays I like that he he got the ball in a variety of ways the shovel pass that Joe Milton threw threw at him was a nice little wrinkle there you know they they did some good things in the run game overall I thought Jabari Small had a pretty good run that that 40 yarder or so Mm -hmm. to to set up a touchdown Uh, so so they both had some good moments but yeah definitely another good day for Dylan Sampson and certainly showing that he deserves uh, to, to have a regular role on this team regardless of opponent yeah I guess I should say in the past, they've had guys who wear number 16. They don't have guys who wear 16 now, but, um, you know, I think, you know, they've had guys who wore 16 after Peyton Manning. Didn't mean they were Peyton Manning. So, I, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I, I understand the comparison there a little bit, I guess, because similar type of player, but you're going to have to do more <laughs> against better uh, competition, I think, before you can you really say, hey, that's another look, an Alvin Kamara type, type of dude there. But I do think a um, couple things before we get out of here. I do think the injuries might be more of a concern from this game than people are thinking at the moment. I have not been able to read online exactly what a lot of people are discussing right now. In fairness, maybe they are discussing it. Um, I think the Brew McCoy thing, I got the sense that was precautionary. Uh, He looked okay to me. They just took him out early, and they weren't going to put him back in unless they needed to. Could be wrong, but that's the suspicion I have there. Jalen Wright, I think it was the same thing. I don't know how much serious concern there is there. But I do think uh, with Ramel Keaton, with the way his head hit the ground there, 
you, you got to have a little bit of concern there. John Campbell walking around without his helmet in the second half in a game where, you know, you maybe could have used the big guy out there at times. I think that's another one. The, there were some injuries in this game that I think are – they're not insignificant things. Uh, we won't know throughout the week, of course, because whatever Josh Heupel says or doesn't say, I don't think it matters one damn bit because we'll wait and see on Saturday. I mean, I mean it's, let's be honest. The guy usually almost always tells us the truth or doesn't say anything. And then there's injuries, and that's a different story. But, hey, that's he's not the only one. I that. also think that the, 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 the Cooper Mays thing the last couple of weeks has, has made – that topic be blown out of proportion. Usually he doesn't say anything about injuries. We'll see Friday. It's not that he lies. He doesn't say anything. Those are two totally different things. I think there's times where he says we'll see Friday when he knows damn well a guy. Well, I mean, which is fine. It doesn't bother me. I'm just saying I think it's that's true. Yes, 1,000%. But people are acting as if he's saying, yes, he is 1,000% going to play, and then all of a sudden he doesn't play on Saturday. No, that's only happened with one player that I can recall during Josh Heupel being at Tennessee. And I think that he thought that that player was going to be available by the time kickoff rolled around. So that, that conversation has been blown out of proportion. There's, there's a difference between not saying something and lying. He just typically doesn't say anything. Um, but the injuries tonight are, are certainly a concern. I'm a little more concerned about Jalen Wright just because you never know the severity of a head injury. And it looked like a head injury, to your he, point he about – He got wobbling. Yes. He, he, or his he, head shaking the head. Correct. And kind of – he just looked discombobulated. Um, so that that one and the Ramel Keaton one, th- those are the two that, that I'm most con- concerned about if, if I'm Tennessee. And, heck, I'm also concerned about Cooper Mays. Like, Tennessee needs Cooper Mays back uh, because this offensive line – this offensive line, uh, I think right now they're, they're playing three guys that, in my opinion, are not SEC offensive linemen. Not and yet, at least. Not going to be. All three of them are upperclassmen. One's a sixth-year, one's a senior, and others a third- or fourth-year guy in, in college football who started off at a major D1 program. So that they, they haven't been. I don't think that they're ever going to be. You need Cooper Mays back up front. So the injuries are a big concern. I, I don't really remember the defense getting too nicked up. I, Beasley, the Nico- Beasley didn't play much at the end of the game, and he, he had been a little bit nicked up, but I'm pretty sure that was a caution. caution yeah, Brew McCoy and Aaron Beasley, you talked about it with Brew McCoy. I, I'm not concerned about Brew McCoy. I, I think that was we're playing UTSA. No need to throw you back out there. I think that's what also happened to, to Aaron Beasley, to your point. Uh, Danico Slaughter did not play tonight. Tennessee obviously needs Danico Slaughter. I think that was precautionary saving him for, for South Carolina. So uh, I, I think Tennessee is okay defensively, but the Jalen Wright injury, uh, the Ramel Keaton injury, just because they're to the head and you never really know, at least it appeared to be to the head. Uh, Ramel's, it was pretty obvious it was to the head, but yes. uh, you just never know how a guy's going to respond to those type of injuries. And, and that, that kind of leads me to my final point in the sense of the third quarter was ugly, very ugly. I think a lot of – the third quarter struggles, the lull that Tennessee went through in the third quarter was because so many guys were shuffling in and, and shuffling out. Not that that was an excuse, but defensively, I don't know about you all, but I, I kind of shrug it off. I'm, I'm not too concerned about the defense in the third quarter because they were a lot younger on purpose. And, and Josh Heupel said after the game, it was their plan to play younger guys and rotate more. It was pretty much Tennessee's second-team defense in there in the third quarter, so I'm not taking that too seriously. The offense worries me a little bit more, but even at that point, Ramel Keaton had gone down. Brew McCoy had gone down. I talked earlier about Chaz Nimrod turning around to look 
for the ball. Like they're playing guys at that point who are still trying to perfect the small details of college football. So I, I think the, the, there were so many guys in and out of the lineup tonight, and I think that really led to those third quarter struggles more than anything else. Yeah, what bothered me about some of those, the, there was that one touchdown drive in the third quarter where it just reminded me so much of the Florida a couple of Florida touchdown drives from the previous week where you didn't see a single splash play, but if it was a third and seven, it was it was seven yards. If it was a third and six, it was six yards. If it was a third and 11, it was 11 yards. It's just consistently getting right up there to the sticks and letting a team just sort of methodically. I mean, that, that drive took seven and a half minutes off the game and 15 plays. I mean, there was a lot, a lot going on there. And I really, really, really didn't like the, the Brandon Turnage missed tackle on the touchdown because you're getting maybe some more chances because Kamal Haddon did something similar last week. Now, I think Turnage looked like more of a technique than an effort thing. And, um, again, I, I think you're talking about a guy who is a receiver, former Knoxville area standout uh, there for UTSA, uh, who, who uh, Taiki Ogle Kellogg, who's about 6'5", 230 or whatever he is. He's a big old wide receiver. So, you know, not the worst thing I've ever seen. Also not good, though. And I think that's one of those moments where if you're turning, you're in there getting a chance, and you can maybe show them, hey, I'll be an alternative to Haddon. I'll go out there and be more consistent. And, and no, no, did the same thing. So they really need Slaughter back because he got burned on the touchdown earlier this year when he slipped. But other than that, he's been pretty solid since he's been there. And they, they need him back. They need Cooper Mays back. This is a really, really, really big football game. It's going to be played in seven days, and Tennessee needs as many hands on deck as it can get. Yeah, this is a huge game coming up. And, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing, I guess, sit, sitting here after the game that I, I don't know right now is what the what this team is going to look like next week. Will it have Cooper Mays? Will it have Danico Slaughter? Will it have all the guys we mentioned that were that were banged up or, or not out there at times today? So it, it is it is going to be an interesting week to sort of track this. And you know, South Carolina, as we speak, you know, this game's not over, but South Carolina's already put up thirty-seven points in this game. And State's not great defensively, but still, yeah. And, and South Carolina's a, a team, but that before today was you know putting up a lot of yards, but not a lot of points in, in a couple games. So. Uh, they, they've kind of had some of the issues Tennessee was having offensively to some degree uh, in, in the Austin P and Florida games. So, uh, you know, it, it, that doesn't necessarily mean Tennessee's in trouble, but I think they're going to have to play well against South Carolina to, to win that game. And, and yeah, they can't afford a, a, a stretch like the third quarter to, tonight. They, they can't. They can't let South Carolina be, you know, be putting together 15 play drives and taking <laughs> taking a lot of time off the clock. For that matter, they can't be giving up four play drives and giving up quick scores. You know, they, they've got to play their – I think one of their best games of the year defensively to, to win that one maybe, and and it's going to take uh, both sides of the ball playing well, frankly. So, yeah, what's this team going to look like? Will they be back closer to full strength? You know, how, how many of these guys that are banged up are really going to be concerned going into Saturday? We'll, we'll see. But, um, but hey, the bottom line is uh, they got to win. It wasn't, a, it wasn't in danger at any point. They've got a, a little more confidence, I think, coming out of this game, and they feel like they've kind of – you know, at least for now, weathered the storm. You know, they, they got out of it, what could have been a, a, a tough kind of season-changing loss, and uh, and they see the other side. And now we'll see if they can come out on the other end and be be better against an SEC rival that they need to need to beat. Frankly, yep, got to clean up the special teams too. Uh, I know there was they did stop a, a fake punt today, which was nice. That's a little Beamer ball preparation there. Also got a, a tipped punt. Of course, they also. 
uh, tipped a punt and also gave possession right back on the exact same play, which you do not see very often. You can take that one off the bingo card. That, that was an interesting one. Um, but there are some things they're going to have to clean up. I mean, they a performance – I don't know if they have to be perfect next week to, to win against South Carolina at home, but – if they're anything less than really good, it's going to be a dogfight at the least. They're going to have to at least be pretty darn good to, to win that game, I think. I agree. Uh, Spencer Rattler hit his first at least 16 passes tonight. So, yeah, he, he's he's a guy that's playing playing a pretty high level of football. We saw him at his best, obviously, last year in, in Columbia. You know, this defense is going to have to bring its best pass rush and play its best game of the year in the secondary, I think, for, for Tennessee to win this game. They've They've got to find a way to slow him down or it's going to be a long night because I don't think Tennessee wants to get into a scoring match with them again. Uh, I don't think that's going to be this team's comfort zone. The offense is a little too too hit and miss uh, sometimes. I think that's just kind of the, the makeup of this team right now. I think Tennessee needs the final score of that game to, next week to be at, at most in the 30s. I don't think they want to get a game like that to get into a track meet that's in the in the, in the 40s. You know, they need to – they need to win that game, you know, 34 27 or something like that at most. You know, it needs to be a, a comfortable game where they don't feel like they have to score every time they have the ball. But, um, but yeah, I, I just feel like it's a, uh, um, oh, I, I was going to point out, I, I don't, I think Josh Heupel was really not happy about that third quarter. It sounds like was uh, really, really frustrated about that. If he was happy, that. he was hiding it very, very well. Sure. I mean, I mean, and coaches, that's the kind of thing they, that they it will give him all sorts of talking points throughout the week of how you know you can't let your foot off the gas you, you know all the things they did wrong x's and o's wise effort wise and like ben said they had some young guys on the field that that probably explain at least a, a part of what went wrong but it, it's going to give them plenty of fuel they, they got a lot of what they will need this week coming out of this game they got the confidence they need but at the same time they got a lot to go back to the drawing board with and say hey we've got to clean up these things or we're going to lose some games coming up soon because it's not just South Carolina. It's Texas A&M two weeks after that. It's Alabama after that. It's Kentucky after that. This upcoming stretch will define this team's season. And that, that's why it was so important for them to get, get right in this game, and for the most part I think they did at least. It'll need to be loud, loud, loud next week, Ben. I can tell you that right now. They're going to have to uh, – Rattler's been pretty comfortable for a lot of this season, and uh, Tennessee's going to have to do – and the fans, too, are going to have to do everything they can to make him uncomfortable uh, because that, that that would go a long way, I think, next week to to, to helping that issue because they, they need to start fast, they need to be a little cleaner, and they really need the fans to bother that offense quite a bit. Absolutely. It's a huge game, and I can't wait to preview it all week long. Yes, we are. We're going to be doing that. We shall. You trying to say just stop talking? Is that what you're trying to say right now, Ben? I am not. I I am out of out of thoughts. I, I thought Tennessee took a a step forward today. I don't I don't know how big of a step forward. Uh, it was a better performance than the Austin P game. Uh, they cleaned some things up. It appeared from the Florida game. Uh, so I, I thought today was a nice step forward. Don't know how big of a step forward, but at minimum a step forward, and and that's what's most important. Yeah, we still don't know what this team's best football is because we haven't seen it for 60 minutes, but uh, we saw a little bit better today. I think, think it's at least a, a somewhat noteworthy plus that you know we, we touched on earlier, but not just Dylan Sampson, but Caleb Webb to me looked like a guy who can maybe help mm-hmm. this football team. Uh, that's not something I would Physical have said. Physical kid, got yeah. a nice catch radius. Really nice catch on the touchdown pass. I, I, I don't know that you know this staff hasn't shown a desire to really grow its receiver rotation um, the past two years, certainly since the Florida game back in 2021, but – I wonder if that's a guy, you know, we'll, we'll see. Maybe injuries dictate that they have to play him next week. But um, th- this 
you know, he, he looks like a guy who can maybe help this football team. And I wonder if they maybe have to consider at least getting him in there a little bit moving forward just because of what he what he showed tonight. I think he's he's made a nice uh, my, nice continued progression since last season and uh, is definitely on the right track to, to reaching the potential that his his ranking showed that he had coming out of high school. Might be might be some decisions to make if um, maybe some more Thornton on the perimeter if Keaton or McCoy's dinged up or is not able to at least finish the game. We we got a lot to discuss, but we got six days to do that. So let's go ahead and get out of here and uh, let's get these stories filed. Let's get this pod podcast published and let's uh, let's let's clean this one up. Uh, scrub it out, and then we'll go uh, have six days or six and a half days to get ready for South Carolina. Thanks for being here, guys. Appreciate it, Wes. Thanks, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.